you need two things in any market or any economy, and that's food and shelter. You have to have housing. Multifamily comes right in there. You don't have to have self-storage, but I can tell you that when things are good, people like their stuff. This is the naked truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business, so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another no BS episode right now. What's going on, everybody? This is Javier Hinojo, your host of the Naked Truth about real estate investing. I got Bill Fairman today from Carolina Hard Money. Welcome, Bill. Appreciate your time. I was on his podcast a while back and definitely enjoyed it. So a little bit about uh, Bill's company. They do they really focus on fix and flip and some ground up construction, a single family. And uh, every once in a while, they might do a bridge for a multifamily if it fits their lending box. So for you guys out there looking to you know, fix some houses and flip them, looking for some different options, definitely reach out to Bill. And we're going to have a chat about that. Just, you know, his journey, how he got started as far as uh, hard money lending and where where it's gone. And, or even if you have money and you want to put it to use, they can put it to use as well. They have a pretty good system, vetting out the good projects, the bad projects, and they can definitely manage the money. I forgot to ask Bill if they're still taking clients. I know sometimes they get overwhelmed. So we'll just jump right in this interview. So Bill, go ahead. What did I miss? I'm sure I missed Thank something. First of all, thank you, Javier, for having me on. It was a pleasure having you on our show as well. You have a great business model. I love the scaling up with many doors under fewer roofs, as it were. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Carolina Capital Management is our main company. We operate Carolina Hard Money, which is the, the origination arm, and then Carolina Capital Reserve Fund is where we get our funds to make loans with. And yes, we are still accepting accredited investors in our fund. We are blessed because we always end up with more deal flow than we have capital. Fortunately, our space, the private lending space, has really gotten the attention of a lot of the institutional investors nationally. And so we don't have a a lot of trouble recapitalizing. We would rather have those folks in our fund individually then sell them to Wall Street because I've been through a lot of cycles. I've been in the mortgage business for over 30 years and Wall Street to me. And if you're in Wall Street, sorry, but here's the truth. Wall Street is like a herd of antelope. And as soon as they hear a scary noise, they all run a different direction. And we know good and well that Wall Street at some point will find another shiny object somewhere else. And you cannot base your business model in the lending business on institutional investors. Hey, they run a different way and they can run off a cliff. They still all run off a cliff, right? That's right. They'll keep running off the cliff. (laughs) Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. You're right. You take advantage of uh, what they offer when they do offer you some good deals. And they do. We're actually able to give our investors higher yields, selling some of our portfolio off strategically to institutional investors, because I'll give you an example. Let's say our interest rate is 1099 and they want 8%. Well, we're going to arbitrage the difference in that rate while the loans are going on. We're still going to service those so we can maintain the relationship with the borrower. But that allows for our investors to get a higher yield. At the same time, our investors get a piece of the origination fee. So if we're selling off loans in order to recapitalize to make new loans with, they're getting 
paid on the origination fees and they're getting paid on the arbitrage of the loans that we're selling. So it's all good stuff. Yeah, the uh, arbitrage is basically the spread, right? Correct. Spread of the interest. It's spread sure. between what the interest rate is and what we're paying the entity that purchases the loans. Yeah, I've heard some folks getting like a home equity line for like three and a half percent and then going out and lending money at 10% interest, 8% interest, which is great. I guess the biggest issue if you're doing it yourself is when I used to flip houses, you know, I had a few private investors and the money be out for you know three to six months and then it would come back and they would be like, oh man, you got anything else? You know, I had to re, oh, I forget what it's called. Yeah, you got to um, reinvest it. You got to get new deals. Yeah, reinvest it, right? So sometimes, you know, I had a list and they would go two, three, four months without, you know, putting it back out in the market. So they're 8% really didn't turn out to be an 8%, you know? So tell me a little bit about somebody who does that on their own or somebody wants to do it like through your company. Well, before we get any further, this is not an offer to sell a security of any sort. Your mileage may vary. Consult your financial oh, advisor. Hypothetically, if somebody had you know some cash, how would it work? Well, if you're an accredited investor, I always encourage people. It doesn't have to be our fund. It could be any fund. But if you're an accredited investor, I always encourage people to invest in a fund versus doing it individually. Because if you do it individually, just what you were talking about, number one, you're investing a chunk of change into one asset. And if that asset goes south, doesn't mean you're going to lose money, but you're certainly not making any until you figure out the disposition of that property. Secondly, let's say you had an 11% interest rate and you only had that money invested for 10 months out of the year because you had two months where you're trying to get it reinvested after you get paid off. Well, your actual rate of return over that year goes down to 9%. So it doesn't take long to lower that APR. Now, if you're in a fund, you're always going to be invested. So you don't have to continually look for the new deal. So if you're in a fund that allows for you to compound your returns over time, I'll give you the example. If you had an IRA and you were making the loan yourself and you're getting monthly payments, what is that monthly payment doing in your IRA? It's not earning squat until you get enough money to make another loan with it. And if you're in a fund that allows you to compound or buy new shares with your earnings every period, whether it's a quarter or a month or however they do it, that money is continually making money. And we always talk about ROI. I always talk about ROE, your return on effort. There you go. That's one thing I was going to bring up. I was definitely going to bring that up. Your effort is so much less. You're not the one having to go out and look for all the deals. Your money is always working. And anytime you're investing in a fund, especially if you have an IRA, if you're not looking for income, you're looking for growth anyway. And you want that money to work for you for, you know, five, 10 years down the road. And then most of those funds too will allow you to turn that into an income quarterly or monthly when it's time for you to get an income. Oh, well, yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. One of the things is on your own, trying to underwrite the deals, get all the paperwork done with attorneys. And I mean, it just takes time, energy and especially if you don't know how to underwrite that, you know, you don't want to loan on a bad asset, you know, maybe not lose all your money, but you know, not make what you're supposed to be making. So there's a lot of moving parts. I like what you said right now. Say somebody had, you know, whatever, a hundred thousand dollars, right. And they're going to, you know, lend somebody 70 K to buy a property. I mean, there's still 30 K in the account and it's not getting used, right. Cause it's not right. enough to go fund another property. Right. So you're only really making money on that small 70 K of your hundred K. You know, so that's kind of neat. 
that you brought that up. So it makes total sense. And listen, there are ways to keep a small IRA working, but again, you have to have a good network and there's a lot of moving parts. And frankly, unless you have a time for a second job, you're really better off having someone that you know, like, and trust invested for you. For sure. And that's where your due diligence comes into understanding who you're investing with, not necessarily each individual property. You have to trust that they're making the right decisions and they have a track record and how do they act when things go bad and all that stuff. For sure. So that's a great way to transition. So what do you guys look for on as far as when you guys are going to land? What are the things you guys look for? Well, I hate to say this, but we are the tortoise when it comes to the tortoise and the hare scenario. We're not chasing yield. We're very conservative. The reason we like the single family housing space is because a single family home is the most liquid out of all the real estate pieces that are out there. And we specifically stay in the affordable housing. And I don't mean section eight type housing. I just mean at or below median price point for whatever area that you're in. Those homes are going to be valued by investors, first-time home buyers, and empty nesters. So they're going to be the most liquid. And why do we do this? As a banker, you're always looking, if I have to take this property back because they didn't pay us, number one, how quickly can I get rid of it so I can get the money back and get it reinvested? Number two, if I can't get rid of it, can I at least rent it out for what the expected return is going to be. And that's where you stay in the affordable housing side. You can't rent a million dollar house out for what you normally would get in your mortgage payments. You just can't do it. So we're always looking at, you know, what's the worst case scenario. What we like about multifamily and self-storage is those tend to be recession resistant commercial properties. You need two things in any market or any economy, and that's food and shelter. You have to have housing. Multifamily comes right in there. You don't have to have self-storage, but I can tell you that when things are good, people like their stuff. And when things are good, they buy new stuff, but they don't want to get rid of their old stuff. (laughs) Have you been looking at my garage, Bill? (laughs) I say this because I have one too. It's funny. I like to say that we'll keep $500 worth of stuff in a unit and you're spending what? $200 a month for five or six years to store your $500 worth of junk. My $500 worth of junk is so valuable. I have it heated and air conditioned as well. And then people are tend to be emotionally attached to their stuff too. And it's hard for some people to get rid of things, but on the way up, you need storage on the way down, you need storage. And it's just a really good business model. The single family housing has just been a really good business for us. Yes. You got into the multifamily for one reason because you get more with less work, right? Yes, right. You get higher returns. It's more scalable. As you scale up, your costs actually go down. When you're dealing with individual single family units, there's a lot of work. From a banker's point of view, on the worst case scenario kind of thing, if in a situation where you had to take some of them back, here's the way I look at it. I would rather have five $100,000 loans out than one $500,000 loan out. Because if one of them goes bad, I still got my other four that are working for me. Sure. So that's how I look at it. Yes, it's a little bit more work, but there's more safety and diversity from a banker's point of view. Does that awesome. help? 
Yeah. So say I, I was applying for, uh, hey, I found a property and I need to get a loan. What would be the steps? What do you guys look for? You know, experience. Does that change a lot of the terms rate? Right? Just the property. What are you guys looking for? We look at it globally. We're not like a lot of the national lenders where you have to have a certain population around it. We are able to look at property globally. We understand that things have changed. People are moving a little bit further away from the major MSAs. So rural property isn't going to bother us as long as it's not rural in the middle of nowhere rule. We're talking about more of your bedroom communities outside of the larger cities. They're fine with us. People are starting to move out that way now. They like so, it actually. Yeah. And we're looking to make sure that we're only going to be in a property for no more than 70% of the after repair value. Now, when we make a loan, we'll do 100% of the construction cost and rehab costs, and we do 90% of the acquisition price. So they're putting 10% of the purchase price down. As long as it's not over 70% right of the total value. So the total value of the house is $200,000 after it's remodeled. The most you will lend out is not necessarily, uh, well, the most you'll go is 140, but only 90% of the purchase price. Right. So, so again, the down payment is 10% of the purchase price, not yep. the total value. So it's not yeah, that much. Sure. Uh, yeah. The total value was hundred K. I mean, a total purchase price, hundred K. I got to come up with $10,000 down payment and say my rehab is 40 K. So I'm all in at roughly 140. So you guys would fund hundred percent of the rehab. So that's pretty good. Experience is important. You're going to get a little better deal if you got more experience than not. What we try to do if you have no experience is put you with a mentor or at least get you hooked up with your local RIA to get a little bit more experience and get somebody behind you that knows what they're doing. If you have zero experience, your contractor better. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, hey, at least you're willing to look at the project, look at the yeah. buyer. So you guys can kind of figure out a way to, uh, hey, how can we make this work? Because eventually you want them to succeed, right? You want them to succeed. Yeah. You keep it's your client, right? He keeps finding properties and you keep giving him loans. So that's pretty awesome. I remember the first time I got a loan on my first property, I didn't know anything, right? I'm, I'm searching online and trying to find someone to loan us the money. And it was such a headache. I wish I would have had all these connections and listen to some podcasts. Let's have some options, right? It uh, really is all about relationships. And our goal is for our investors to win the people that are putting money in our fund and for our borrowers to win, because if both parties win, then we're going to win. We don't want your first experience to be a bad one because then you're never going to come back. We don't want to just do one loan with you. We want to do several. And our yep. goal is to take you as a borrower and put you in a position where you no longer need us, but you're doing business with us because we're really the easiest to deal with. Because frankly, we want to make you bankable, but just because you're bankable doesn't mean you're not going to need a hard money lender or a private money lender. Because I do encourage people to find as many private money lenders as they can, because a private money lender is really somebody that just has their own IRA and they're willing to lend money. That They don't have the overhead of having a business, but at the same time, they don't have infinitely deep pockets. You always need a couple of hard money lenders in your back pocket because you don't want to have a deal fall through or not be able to take advantage of something because you didn't have the financing for it. Yeah. I mean, what I ended up doing would get uh, folks with a smaller IRA with 30 to 50 K mm -hmm. and they'd help me with the down payment. So a lot of my flips that I did, I didn't have any money out of pocket. 
nice. know, if somebody let me borrow a certain amount, they let me borrow the down payment, more of a, a promissory note kind of deal. Cause I had a relationship with them. So, you know, they liked me and they trust me. And a lot of my deals, sure. I didn't have any money out of pocket. So that was kind of neat. But at the beginning, you know, I had to, whatever it was, you got to somehow pay your dues. And I definitely paid my dues at the beginning, which is okay. It's definitely cool. Well, you're not going to learn unless you do. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You can take all the courses in the world, but you're not going to learn anything until you start actually doing it. Yeah. And yeah. it's a shame. I know uh, a friend of ours, Larry Goins, has a phrase for that. It's called shelf help. When you yeah. do a lot of courses and you don't take any action, you just put that course on the shelf. Shelf help. That's hilarious. He's a funny guy. Definitely. I didn't know if you knew this, but my business partner and sister, Wendy, ran his flipping business for several years. Oh, wow. Did not know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We're only about 10 miles apart from each other. So. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's pretty it, good. It really is a small world, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Yeah. The but, one last thing I want to mention about hard money lenders, yep. they are the canary in the coal mine, so to speak. If they look at a deal that you bring them and they say, no, thanks. That's not a deal you want to do anyway. So it would be smart for you to either renegotiate the deal you have or look for something else. Because awesome. Because I was about to ask you, what's one thing we should, you know, somebody coming in and so they wouldn't make a mistake. So that's actually pretty good. Yeah. If you send it over and you guys say, hey, you can't lend on this. So most likely it's not a good deal. We're going to tell you why it doesn't make sense to do that deal. Because okay. we have turned down many deals that we could have made, that we could have made money on, but everything had to go just right. And- and we don't want the borrowers not to make any money. They don't have any incentive. So we want them to be successful. Absolutely. Yeah, there's always uh, something that doesn't go as planned, right? So it's got to have enough buffer in there. Yeah, it's called real estate. Nothing ever goes the way it's planned. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, it's definitely. Uh, if you do, it's a unicorn. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely unicorns. I'm still looking for my first unicorn. One thing that I did do was I bought something so cheap that I'm like, man, I can totally screw this up and I still make money. So that's like my unicorn, you know, every once in a while. And even though if my rehab is not on point and my timeline is not on point, just got such a stupid price on it that it's still making a lot of money. So one thing about a, a market that we're in now, an up market is that even if you can't get the thing on the market as quickly as you think, it's okay because the longer you hold on to it, the more it's going to be worse. Yeah, all right, right now, for sure. I know it's insane. Yeah, a, a good market will cover up a few mistakes. Oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bill, we're in this section of the interview where I'm going to have the Naked Truth Roulette. Get to know your banker more personally. I just added that in there. So I'm going to ask you four questions. Okay. And maybe I'll give you one pass. Can you see my screen? Sort of uh, kind yeah, of. Yeah? Again. Oh, isn't that cool? Right. I'm going to spin it. Let's roll. First question for Bill. Let's see what we get. I'll get nervous, Bill. We're good. <laughs> All right. What's the worst chore to do? Either around a house or what is it? All right. Well, only cat owners will understand this one. And I don't have cats. My wife has cats. Cleaning right. the litter box is the worst chore ever. <laughs> Clean the litter box. Awesome. All right. Question number two. All right. So if you were transported 400 years in the past and you showed up naked and nothing and you didn't have anything else, how would you prove you were from the future? <laughs> That's a tough question. 
That is so weird. How would I prove that I'm from the future? Yeah, without ending up in some crazy loony bin somewhere. I still have not heard a good answer on this, Bill. So and That really is a tough I Show them how less hair I have than they do. Oh, I don't know. Well, you go. <laughs> hey, I got an idea after you said that, but uh, maybe if I ever get that question, I'll answer it that way. All right, let's go. Next question. Let's see what we got. Hey, do you have any tattoos? I actually do not. I have been considering it, but the more I think about it, now I'm the odd one without a tattoo, so I'm still standing out. All right. You and I are on the same page. You and I are on the same page. I think about it every once in a while, and then I get busy. Yeah. And I get this squirrel. I get this squirrel kind of, you know, like, oh, I lose train of thought, and I just forget about it. All right. Isn't it funny when entrepreneurs are all that way? We have the shiny object syndrome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, last question. Here we go. All right, what is your favorite band, song, artist, or soundtrack? Well, I used to be a bass player when I was much younger, and so, and I started off in in rock and roll. So, all right, but I'm old now. And I'm appreciating different types of music. And frankly, Spira Gyra, their Spira most Gyra. recent album, and they actually have an album. It's not a disc and it's not, I mean, you can load it <laughs> on Spotify, but they actually have vinyl. And the name of this album is Vinyl Tap. <laughs> vinyl Tap. Nice. And the song in there that really is one of my favorites is What a Fool Believes. That's a old Doobie Brothers song that they redid. And Spire Gyra is kind of a fusion jazz band. So if you ever get a chance, check out that version of What a Fool Believes, Spire Gyra. What a Fool Believes. I am going to actually listen to that. I got another question for you. So I had a good buddy of mine. He played the bass. He would be so pissed off because he's like, man, the guitar player is like four times uglier than me, but he gets more girls. Is that true or false? Well, they usually do because they're out front. All right. The problem with the bass playing is... There's not a lot of solos that sound very good. Yeah, with the bass, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the bass player in Spyro Jara has some moves, I can tell you that right now. All right. You know, you got me uh, curious. I'm going to go listen to that. Bill, man, I appreciate that. You're great sport taking on the uh, Naked Truth Roulette, so I really appreciate it. And if anybody right, needs to reach I, out to you guys, how do they reach out to you? Oh, sure. Our website is carolinahardmoney.com. Pretty easy. carolinahardmoney.com. If they're interested in borrowing, Click on the Apply Now tab. If they're passive investors looking to invest in a fund, then click on the Accredited Investor tab. Awesome. And I'll make sure that's in the show notes. And thank you so much. This has been another episode of The Naked Truth. And don't lose your shirt. Time consuming. It can be very scary. It could be like trying to get somewhere without a roadmap. So that's why I created this due diligence list when I buy a property. I'm going to buy an apartment building, even a mobile home park. You can use it for mostly pretty much any commercial property. But this one specifically is for a multifamily. It could be a six unit. It could be a 600 unit. You can use it for what you like. So go ahead and sign up, put your name, email. I'll send you the free link to my due diligence. This is what I've used to buy hundreds and hundreds of units, if not thousands of units. So sign up, you'll get my link. Uh, you get an Excel sheet as well. And also we use the software project management software monday.com feel free to sign up for a free trial i do have an affiliate link you don't pay any extra they just pay me a small fee don't have to use it 
you have the Excel spreadsheet, but if you use monday.com, it's actually a lot better, a lot smoother, a lot prettier, and you can do a whole bunch of other stuff. There's even a video there I created in the link, so check the link, sign up, and this is my giveaway for you guys. Thank you so much. Take care. This has been The Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.